Welcome to Talk Design, the show where creatives have conversations. I'm Adrian Ramsey and I'm your host. Having lived a life of design myself, I wanted to share with you the creatives that inspire me and in turn may inspire you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm Adrian Ramsey, and I'm your host on Talk Design. I started this podcast because I wanted to share the journey of design that I've had and that many others have had, and I find it inspirational talking to people globally about what makes design tick and what makes design create a better world for others. My journey has taken me from clothing globally, women's swimwear, performance sportswear, mountaineering, yachting, all these kind of genres where each place I would learn more and more about different specifics and how clothing can support those. Also, I've worked in innovation as a systematic innovation trainer and worked with the aerospace industry as well as the marketing industry and the design industry. And all my years of design Still my favorite is the built structure and interiors. In years of travel and discovery, I constantly look at what the emotions are that are created by the built space. I consider myself a student of design for my whole life and will go on that way. Some of the things that I do to support this is my podcast, and then workshops and masterclasses where I teach people about trends and design thinking and tours where I take people on tour with me and we go and discover different points of architecture or interior design globally. I always think that when you're passionate about something, one of the things that you should do is is you should share it. And so creating the podcast was my way of sharing my enthusiasm and the enthusiasm of others and their passions around design with you. I hope you really enjoy it. And I ask you, would you please drop us a line? Tell us what you think. Tell us what got you excited. It's so inspiring when we get messages from our listeners that tell us about the things that shifted in their life because of who they listen to. And it gives me the inspiration to dig deeper and find more people that I can bring to your ears so that you live a better design life. My guest on Talk Design today is Stephanie Thatcher. Now, Stephanie is from Utah in the US, and her company is Damani Home Design. She studied architecture and interior design, and her business focuses generally on the built structure. Um, Fascinating conversation we've had on our little warm-up, Stephanie. Thank you so much for being on here. Uh, oh, thank you. It's really brilliant. I feel a real connection with the way you think and uh, like minds, I suppose, sharing stuff. Um, Absolutely. So thank you for making time. I really appreciate it. Oh, I love these conversations. <laughs> I think that they're always so energetic and so fun. That's the only reason I do them. I, I do these for me. The audience, they get it by default. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um. So tell me a little bit about your just you know quick runway on where you came from and how you ended up um, 
where you are now. So, and, and the love of architecture and the love of design, where that came from, was there a, you know, a great grandmother or a great uncle or whatever it yeah. was, was there some little spark that flipped the switch? I don't know if there was one particular moment, you know, individually, but I think I'm definitely a visual person. I love, I learn best visually and by doing things. So, you know, I admired my dad's handwriting. He studied drafting technology or something like that. I can't remember um, some ancient degree. And he ended up designing and building our family home when I was a kid. I was about nine years old when he did that, nine, 10 years old. And I watched him do that. And I, you know, I don't remember paying much attention to anything up before that point. But after that point, it felt like my memory tells me that I was very consumed from that point forward with, you know, those floor plan magazines and interior design magazines and paying attention to how things were put together. I was super fascinated. So, you know, you were the chase, long story short. What's that? <laughs> you were done and dusted then. Right then when yeah. you did it, you were like, no, I got that. <laughs> That's it. I I was kind of, yeah, it was, it was sunk for me. I was, I was destined. I felt like from that point on, I studied, you know, ar architecture, took drafting classes in uh -huh. high school and college, studied architecture for a couple of years, ended up long we don't need to get into the logistics of why I switched to interior design, but I switched to interior design, which the program is now called interior architecture, interestingly enough, and um, ended up getting certified in NCIDQ certified in 08, sorry, 07. Anyway, and I, like I told you earlier in our conversation, interior design always felt a little scratchy to me. It was a little too broad and loose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I love the I love the constraints and the of the, the built structure. Yeah, of the built yeah. structure. Well, you and... like the codes? Did I hear you say you like the codes? Okay. Well, I just <laughs> like how. Well, because for example, this is one of my favorite stories. There was um, a gentleman that I was working with, and you know, I was getting feedback from him, and he said, "I don't think I need that many stairs." And I said, you, you, you kind of do. We can give you more, but we so, can't give you yeah. less. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So in that regard, it is nice because I can I can come back to people with a very clear reason yeah. why, and they can't argue with me. <laughs> yeah, right. Go and argue with the city. Yeah. Yeah. So in that regard, I like the codes. Yes. I know I'm a little bit of a nerd, but oh. I do like to have some constraints. I was about to say, because as you said, you know, like in the built structure, there's these different constraints, whereas um, in interiors, it's very loose, you know, and, and the joy of actually knowing that you can rely on something, um, that the rule, the rule's the rule, you don't have to make right. it, you just have to keep it, you know, like you said, with the stairs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know yeah. you could take and bigger steps, but mm, it's not going to yeah. happen. <laughs> and it's, you know, and the cool thing about, half of architecture it feels like is that it's not subject to opinion you know there is you know that design element mm -hmm. but i love that there's so much guiding the architecture that is based on practical principles and so yeah. it makes it it makes it a little bit easier you don't have to you know you don't have to guess as much about what people's opinions are and what they like or what they don't like and so how do you yeah. go with this thing, this theory of then of 
um, the reason that you learn the rules is so you know how to break them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a deep question. I'm not necessarily a rule breaker. So I think that that kind of gets me into trouble sometimes because I might not be quite as creative as I should be. Right. Um, sometimes because there are certain rules in architecture that you can kind of like bend a little bit and break a little bit. And yeah, um, I think that there's this, um, there's this thing where, yeah, you do know the rules and you know the ones you can break and the ones you can't break. And then it's how do you manipulate this set of rules to get the outcomes that are innovative or creative? Um, if there's like you said with the stairs there's a riser and there's a going and they have legal minimums or maximums mm -hmm. on them mm -hmm. um for a very good reason and that's how society's evolved you know and yeah. uh that's and it's valuable to all of society that it's evolved that way um and yeah. so that makes it the keeps difference us safe yeah. right it, yeah. those those rules keep us safe and they keep us you know kind of Orderly. They're, they're not constraining. I mean, they're not constraining. But something like a mobility ramp that, you know, right. in our case has to be one in 14 meters, um, that suddenly can be quite constraining. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, that takes, that consumes a lot of yeah. area Yeah. Uh, for starters. And, you know, maybe it's an eyesore too, you yeah. know, not very aesthetically pleasing. And yeah. so how do you how do you work around those types of things and get creative within those constraints? Yes. Yeah. How do and you use that? I always I always have found that whenever I have a client who's really pushing back on the design, I think it's gotten to a, a really great place. I think we've arrived, you know, and I think this is it. They're going to love it. And then they come back to me and they say, well, there's still this other piece, this other element that I'd like to introduced you know it's usually probably when I think about it it has to do with you know lots of principles and elements of design you know like maybe they want to add symmetry or there needs to be a little bit more balance to it or or some sort of unifying factor I don't know and I I just want to rip my hair out and then I go and I open up the case for the magic wand yeah. You have one, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a little yeah, magic just wand. Yeah, right here. yeah, yeah. Okay, I can do. It. <laughs> yeah. It's a scale roll. So I go and I, I go and retrieve that. <laughs> I pull it out and I work the magic. Um, surprisingly, and I'm sur I surprise myself. Yeah, you know, because I listen to their feedback and I I really dig into what they're asking for, and really cool things happen. It has never ceased to surprise me never fails i'm just like blown away by the discovery the things that just kind of naturally reveal themselves as a result of that constraining factor i love that because that's you know the, um there's a, a thing that a saying i'm trying to think how it is is um it's something like disaster or uh, disaster is the mother of invention something like yeah. that is uh, i can't yeah. think exactly yeah. how it goes but it's something like that and you go so when you're, you're stuck with something or something happens, then you have to get creative to create your way out of it. And that's why design is such a journey. You know, I, I think of um, when people design 
like one of those floor plans that you were talking about, you know, back when you were a kid and they're in a floor plan yeah. book. Um, not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just so different from when you're actually designing something custom for somebody. There's elements oh, yeah. that might be really good in there, but you're, you're digging into how they live, how they want to live, mm -hmm. you know, so, so not mm -hmm. just what they do, but their aspirations of what they want mm -hmm. to do mm -hmm. and how that, um, is going to become a home and you can make any space a home I believe I believe you can I do too yeah I any space too. can yeah. be a home it's about how much heart you put into it and how much of mm -hmm. yourself is around it but when you're doing mm -hmm. it with a start of a built structure it's um there's a whole lot of kind of these analytic things that have to happen to get the lumps out to kind of get the the, the pieces of the recipe in place right you know, the, the, the ingredients. And then from that, it's how they're going to get arranged. And then when they're being arranged, it's how, um, you know, whether it should have a little more salt or a little more sugar, you know, for, as an analogy, <laughs> yeah. is, is actually the flavor of the client. It's not the flavor of totally. the designer. It's the flavor of the client. And that's that piece. And when the, the, when the one client says, well, I just don't do, and then you go, well, there's parts of this design that actually hinge around that. Now I go and go back and get creative with how I rework it. That's, I think that's the joy of the design journey as the oh, designer. 100%. Well, that's the thing. Like, I mean, going back in um, to that earlier piece and it, what you were just talking about, you bring in all these different elements to make it more you know tailored to the clients or whatever um i call it you know i basically describe it as we tell the client's story we actually and it's not just telling it we help author it um we help That's author beautiful. their their future story going forward and uh, um because you know you can yeah. learn how to run a cad program you can learn how to draft all those kinds of things so you and I were talking a minute before we got going here about what do we call ourselves? Um, I'm a residential designer because I'm not a licensed architect. Yeah. And, um, but, and I, and I call myself that just instead of just a building designer, because uh -huh. that, you know, again, I try to focus on residential work and, um, you know, and then that, that government, the other, yeah, stuff, the other but, depends when you say building designer it could be any building yeah. it could be any yeah. building yeah. so i'm specifically focusing on the structure of a yeah. home that yeah. somebody will live in and i just love how um homes become a part of people and oh, their yeah. lives and their stories you know and i look at it as part of the family so to speak you know People don't realize that they have this interaction, this relationship with their built environment, with their home. Um, nobody really talks about that, but I that's the way I look at it. And so to me, it's more than just putting lines on a paper oh, yeah. or drawing the wall in the CAD program. I need to know the story behind it. So there have been times when people have brought, you know, potential clients have brought their floor plans to me as they're being worked on. And they say, can you give us feedback? We'd like you to do a plan review. And I say, that's great and all, but in order for me to do a really healthy, beneficial plan assessment, I need to know the backstory. Yeah. I need to know the backstory of what got you here. And then what's the story looking ahead? 
you know, 100%. I need to have all these pieces brought in. I love that. And did you know the analogy of it being like a book and you're authoring part of that piece of their life or, and I often look at it as this is a chapter. So you've had multiple chapters yeah. in your life and they've formed where you are now. And then we're about to create another chapter. Mm -hmm. But what I'm trying to assess is, is how big is this chapter? Is this chapter one that's oh, going to be like yeah. five chapters long or 10? Um, is it going to carry you through till you're in, in a box? Or is it going to be a chapter that is going to take you through to, you know, the kids all leaving home and all this kind of stuff. And then you're planning on going somewhere else. So there's going to be another further chapter. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, like, is it for you or is it to sell in the future? You know, like we don't really do much where it's to sell now. That's very rare for us unless it's a client that we've yeah, designed their home. Sure. But that same thing, it's like, so how long's this chapter for? And, you know, like how old are the kids and how old, are, exactly. when, how long, what will, what will happen in this journey? Um, how do you, how do you imagine writing this chapter? Because again, somebody once said to me, I was saying, you know, moaning and bitching probably is about something going on in life. <laughs> and they said, it's your movie, write the script for God's sake, you know? And I'm like, whoa. Thanks for yeah. the slap on the side of the head. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking harsh truth, right? 100%. And we're getting, yeah. as designers, we get the honor of being able to have a massive, massive, massive influence over how they will do their daily routine, how they will interact in this chapter of this house and this home and this part of their life whether that's right. short or long. Um, right. I always think it's really humbling that we actually get to, to create that stuff. Like It is, it is absolutely humbling. And um, I am always honored every time somebody invites me into their world, like yeah. literally on a personal basis. Um, I get to know intimate details about yeah. their lives. You know, I ask questions that, most people can't ask, like, how many children are you going to have and when? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a question that is completely off limits in society, right? I, love, I, you know, in order for me to do the best job, I need to ask that question. I love questions like that. I just love asking them. I love one of my favorites is especially with younger couples who um, maybe have one kid or maybe don't have kids um, but are planning a family I love to say it, it, it's always fun I love to say so I suddenly will zero in on her and I'll say so what side of the bed do you sleep on <laughs> and inevitably he will prickle slightly <laughs> you know <laughs> asking my wife what side of the bed she sleeps on <laughs> and uh, and she'll say, oh, um, you know, well, I sleep on, you know, this side. And I go, okay, cool. So the reason I'm asking that is, is because when we're going to design something, yeah, you're the one that's going to get out of bed at night. You're the one who's going to do these things on a more regular basis than he is. So I want to make sure that your journey is going to be the most seamless journey. So you don't walk into things so that you Safe don't. Safe and easy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And then they go, oh, right. And I go, and it's okay. Yep. You can, 
you do, she doesn't even have to come past you and kick you on the way for not getting up. <laughs> You're safe, man. I've got your best interest at heart. You know, like this kind of thing. But just that, That's funny. just that thing of, again, like you said, they're quite intimate questions. You know, they're, they're about how people are and live. Yeah, and, um, totally. That's important to get that out, like, um, because that's going to do. It's going to create their outcomes. I just did a. Uh, I was at an architectural conference, and um, one of the things we were talking about was um, how to create uh, a story around something, and with ah, this, love yeah. It. So with this, uh, the little group that I worked in, um, you know, three other really phenomenal people that carried me nicely, um, they, we all came up with this concept called perfect. And um, it was a play on, on one side of it, it was a play on um, less judgment, you know, uh, on, on less judgment of people. But that whole thing came from what's your perfect morning and evening routine and how do I create a home for you that supports your perfect morning and evening routine or any mm, time of the day that. routine. But people mm -hmm. say when I've got a great, when my morning goes great, my day goes great. Mm -hmm. And so what would your perfect routine be? and get them to well, describe that and then go, okay, so this that. is how we could support that. And I feel like too, when you talk about an evening routine, mm -hmm. um, people oftentimes, I feel like most people in their homes with their families, their evening routine is where they uh, kind of like, they can let their guard down. They can sort of like let all the cares of the day go. They can recharge, reconnect with mm -hmm. the people who are there to support and nurture, you know, and love them unconditionally, um, hopefully, right? <laughs> I was waiting for the hopefully, right? <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like if we can help facilitate that, how awesome is that? Which... If we are asking kinds of questions and then we help create the stage, basically yeah. the setting for that to take place, then there's not going to be, um, you know, like all these things pulling and tugging on them mm -hmm. and getting in the way of that connection and that recharge. So get this. I asked my wife to tell me your perfect morning routine. And um, I thought, oh, you know, I've been married 21 years nearly. So thought about time I should check in. <laughs> I should ask my husband. We've been married 27. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I thought I'd check in with her and just see if there was anything. Um, and she said, well, to get up around five and nobody talked to me for the first 90 minutes. And I said, what, like nobody? And she's like, like nobody, not a word, not a word. Just I quiet. I would say something like that. That's just funny. quiet. That's what she wants. <laughs> Not even good morning, sweetheart, not, or no, anything like no, that. No, I don't want no. any of that. You can set your watch in 90 minutes. You can talk to me. Um, I want, she said, you know, I want to be able to take time to just wake up, to meditate, to sit, you go for a walk. I don't want to talk to anybody on my walk. I just want to take time that 90 minutes to be mindful and set myself 
And um, I'm like, oh, God, you married the wrong guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but isn't it interesting if that would, and I, I again, I go maybe that's driven by the fact that she's not got enough space in the mornings. So mm-hmm. maybe, maybe, maybe it might be 20 minutes if she had enough space. She might be bored in 90. I don't know. But unless we actually give it to her, we don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We can, we can know. give it. Yeah. And maybe she doesn't know either. Yeah. Maybe she's, it's a journey for her as well. So we can yeah. give it. So then I go, okay, so how do I, how do I do that? How do I give that to her um, and see whether it works? Did you ask her those questions? How can I give it to you? How can no, we help no, that? No, no, I just happen? won't say anything to her for 90 minutes. Oh, you'll, just, <laughs> you'll just experiment. You'll just carry on. I would say to her, experiment. I'd say to her, let's try it. No, I'd just say, let's try it. So she doesn't think she's being ignored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that and, would be that would be the ideal, right? <laughs> yeah, and give her the right to, um, she can interrupt that. If okay, she yeah, wants to ask something. Redact that's, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She can, she can say, uh, you know, uh, I want to talk to you about something or, you know, come and talk yeah. to me. And that's okay yeah. in the 90 minutes. To, you know, yes. that, that's fine. That's, totally that's her fair. choice. That's her choice. Um, totally fair. Yeah. But, yeah, interesting, isn't it, when you say, so what would that perfect morning routine be? I was kind of surprised. Like, I was, I was like, oh, I get that she would like some time. But I haven't done it with a client yet to do to test this out. Um, yeah, to say, I was going to say. It would be nice to come up with some of these really great thought-provoking questions. You know, I know you and I were talking about what is the, how do we get the design brief and the program, you know, mm. delivered to us from our clients? What's that best What's the best for? way to get it? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's asking those thoughtful questions. Those really like probing questions. Yeah. And what are they? They might be even different for each client, you know, I- as we read the client and get to know their personality and how they interact together and all those things. Yeah. We'll pull out the therapy couch. Yeah, exactly. Let them have a session. Oh, I was going to say lie down on it and let them help me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. definitely. You're happy to take notes while I just talk. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That would be great. (laughs) Because I'm really in desperate need of this. Um, No, I think there's so much in um, the communication that it takes to design a home that you get the better home by having that level of communication Mm -hmm. and moving it from um, analytics and functions to feelings is the, is the piece that makes the difference about Mm -hmm. understanding how a home can be. And I think that often is lost. Absolutely. And also I think too, helping the clients know that they can trust in themselves. Uh-huh. I was just I was just meeting with some potential clients. They're um, coming on in the next year to work with me, and um, we were doing a site visit, and we were talking about we'd spent the majority of our time focused on one location for the you know the future home to be, and then after all of that, they said, "But we really want to show you where we actually love it, but where they love this other space." was filled with all kinds of sheds and barns and outbuildings and, you know, farm equipment and whatever. 
And it was super interesting because as we were talking about this place versus that place and what pros and cons and, you know, all those different things and the homeowners, um, the clients turned to me and said, what would you do? And I said, I just said to them, I said, well, you know, you can ask me all you want, basically, but my answer doesn't even matter because A, I'm not a farmer, B, I don't have the experience or the kids or the background or whatever, the goals and aspirations that you do. And so I can tell you what I want or what I would choose, but don't let that inform your decision. Mm-hmm. And I, I try to tell all my clients something similar to that too, where it's just like, you know, go out and show your plans and get all the feedback and, you know, ask your best friend and your mother-in-law and everybody what they think and get, so you can get some collective, you know, perspective mm-hmm. because maybe your mother-in-law has some life experience that you don't have yet. So you can get some of these, you know, collective experiences to help you make that better informed decision, but don't let it be overly persuasive. If you really feel strongly about X, Y, and Z, stick with that because you have your own parameters, guidelines, you know, ideals, goals, priorities, and all that kind of stuff. So you need to trust in yourself first and know exactly what you want first. And Mm. then you can maybe go after getting those outside perspectives. Do you think that, um, do you think that most people know what they want or they, I'll leave it at that. Do do you think that most people, not even close, eh? I don't think that they do. No. I think that. Do you find that very many clients know exactly what they want? No. None. No, I get clients who, um, well, they don't know exactly what they want, who will know some of the things that they, that they require. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's just like, you know, saying, oh, we, we need a kitchen and we need a bathroom kind of thing. Right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. so very basic in that sense. Sometimes, though, you'll get, you know, they'll they'll be very specific around, I want to see this when I'm, I wake up or in the morning, or I want this part to be something. Um, but very rarely, with if, if, even when they've done their wish lists and things like this for me, very rarely is that what we end up with by the time we've gone down the journey. We end up with the you know kitchen and the bathroom and all those things. What we that's the functional kind of elements. What we end up with is a journey of discovery that they find what they want in that journey of discovery. And really what what as a designer, I think a lot of designers do this. A lot of good designers do this. They, you're basically driving the, the you know, the the bus or the car between these ideas, and mapping oh. them, and then putting them in some sort of hierarchy, and then going <laughs> and and what what does this i well what does this thought or this idea support, and how does that help this person live better, um, and it's this massive like jigsaw puzzle of totally. pieces that don't really even fit together 
Right. <laughs> and then you've got to find all the connecting pieces that will make them fit together um, and, yeah. rash- and rationalize it and then draw it as, you know, with walls around it <laughs> and, and, and a door on the front and make it fill it has to be it has to be structurally sound it has to yeah. be able to withstand elements <laughs> it has to work you know and you know like i live in a really cold climate so it has to really be well insulated yeah yeah all those yeah you have to pay attention to all those things so yeah i think it's super interesting because we can have all of these like you know very tangible specifics yeah um around what the clients want but then i love how you're talking about as a really good designer will help bring out the intangible yep. specifics and the intangible results, you know, and, and, and still keep in mind all those other things like the structure, the engineering, you know, yeah. yes. And then you still have that vision of what it's going to, you know, how is it going to be furnished because we want to make sure that the flow and the traffic patterns mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. the house mm-hmm. function well, because that will disrupt you know, mm-hmm. the overarching feeling and livability in the space. So if we're not paying attention to that while we're designing it, it can really wreak havoc when oh, everything's later on. <laughs> when it's already yeah. built, yeah. When it's too yeah. late to change it or too expensive. So, exactly. So with um, the design side of what you do, uh, obviously there's the there's the, so I want to say separate into two kind of functions here. There's the there's the there's the people and the connection with people. This is critical, and being able to sort out the right people that you connect with in the right way as well is critical to both outcomes, yours and theirs. Yeah. And and then you go from this to the functional design side of of stuff. Um, I know you do a lot around this, like um, you know, prepping of how people, I suppose, fit into a home or whatever. I don't know uh-huh. what's the best way to describe I'm going to leave you to describe it. Tell me more about that. Well, I mean, as you were talking a minute ago um, about kind of like extracting um, these bits and pieces from the clients, it made me realize, too, that one of the things that I like to do with my clients is I like to help them discover their priorities. And I started to make this kind of like ratings chart yeah. that they yeah, could I've fill out one. at the beginning. Yeah. Okay. They could fill out at the beginning of the process. And I tell them, I'm like, keep it with you because uh-huh. we're going to probably circle back to it. At mm-hmm. some point you're going to get off track. You're going to like lose sight of what really was the higher priority where your hierarchy is uh-huh. in um, all of these design elements. Because we're going to be talking about the specifics, you know, four bedrooms, two bathrooms, a kitchen, a bathroom. That we're going to be talking about all those things. But then I'll start talking about the HVAC system or you know, yeah. the stairs and whatever. And we'll get sidetracked and derailed a little bit. We need to always come back to that. So people need to understand their priorities. And as I was making the list, it starts out, you know, like how big, mm-hmm. you know, what kind of finishes do I want? How do I want it to interact with the out? or living, that sort of thing. Is this a long-term commitment? And the list <laughs> grew it's longer and grew. And longer. Yeah. And I mean, I I'm tried to keep it to only about 12 different priorities that they could choose from and rank. But um, it, I don't know. I just think it's super fascinating that like we have to help kind of like drive the bus and help them get to this 
this good place where they can remember what it is that they wanted um, from this overall piece. And I think I've gone on a tangent now. And I'm throwing up lots of stuff for me because one of those things with that is, is like, what were the drivers right at the start that made you choose this thing? It's, it, you know, you could go and buy yeah. somewhere to live rather than what we're doing is actually oh, yeah. designing something to live. Um, right. And I think that's really relevant because, you know, as we said, you can make any any space into a home um, by what you bring to it. And it's not actually about the um, the structure of it. What, but when we suddenly get to give that some structure, I think that it's really interesting. And then, that hierarchy of needs kind of thing that and how that's met, I think is really valuable because I like to take that and then put a hierarchy of budget against it. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so I like yeah. to, I like to be able to play both. So this is a number one for you. Um, we need to dig in and understand this number one, and then we need to go, well, out of the money that you've got to spend, how much is this number one cost? Ooh, do you try to do like percentage allocations? Yeah, loosely, loosely, not a a bit broad sense. Yeah, in a broad sense. So I'm going, you know, somebody will say to me, I need this really big laundry. um, And I will go, "Mm, okay, cool. Or I need a big butler's pantry. Or I need a, uh, I don't know, um, a a massive walk in robe that we can get changed in and dance in. And I'm like, okay, so. If you got that and, you know, would you would you compromise your kitchen for that? Right, right. Because right. the budget's going to get cut into slices here. And so mm. how, how important would this part be? Or use the butler's pantry as an example, because I don't know, but do you have a butler? Do I have a butler myself? Yeah, a butler, you know. No, I don't have one either. I don't know (laughs) anybody who has a butler anymore. Um, And that means I need to shift the circle of people I mix with, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) But I I do know a lot of people who have got a butler's pantry. Butler's pantry. Mm -hmm. And they they wear the butler's hat themselves, you know. So Mm -hmm. I go with this. I go, so would you have a butler's pantry? because of whatever or would you have a better designed kitchen that you don't have to go into the back room to use and I go hierarchy of needs I can probably get less square footage use by having a better designed kitchen which is going to bring my cost down and you're not going to be leaving the party every time you need to do something you know, totally. this, this is this thing. So it's more just to create the conversation. It's like, would you rather have a bigger um, main bedroom? You Americans like to call it primary suite. Um, <laughs> it's the new buzz, primary suite. Yes, it um, is the new buzz. Yeah. <laughs> with that, with it being a, would you rather have a big walk-in robe or some amazing cabinetry that's in your main bedroom space that you can use the whole room as your walk-in robe when you're using the cabinetry i haven't talked to anybody else who's had i call it the walk-in closet myth yeah me too let's let's go into this tiny dark little room and be squeezed up and then try and get changed in there why not well and then when and then when they want to add more square footage to 
the to the room and the bathroom and everything mm -hmm. while we're taking that whole mm -hmm. you know um that whole wing basically yeah and we're adding square footage throughout the whole thing yeah. and so then suddenly the walk-in closet gets bigger as well and i'm like you're not really you're adding more square footage and more cost to your house but you're not necessarily adding more, more function or storage or livability yeah or livability or anything mm -hmm. like that i actually had a client um once who at the very beginning of our time working together told me you know this is all i do in in the um my owner's bedroom i just go in here and go to the bed go to the bathroom go to the closet and then back out again and he's like that's all i ever do in my bedroom and so it doesn't need to be huge. And so, okay, cool. That's awesome. I'd love to hear yep. that. We'll make sure that it's, you know, very comfortable, a retreat for you, but it's not like. It's just high function. Massive. Yeah. Yeah. And then as we got going into the design, he tried to add more square footage. And I said, nope. No, 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 nope, no, nope, no, nope, no. Nope, nope. Remember, let's just go back to. Yeah. <laughs> we're just going to rewind here and go back to that conversation, yeah. and they they didn't end up doing it, and so it's just helping keep people kind of like on their path, you know, on yeah. their journey. I mean, here's the fact of the matter: most, it's you know, we know that this home is probably going to be like in most people's life, they might buy one home, maybe two. I mean. Mm -hmm at least as far as we're concerned where it's designed custom to mm -hmm. them mm -hmm. you know they might buy multiple homes that pre-exist but this whole idea of designing something that's custom to them it might be a one-time deal often and it's so, a one-time deal and, and if not maybe two or three max kind of you know right and, and i mean if we get lucky they might be the kind of people who have like a vacation home or something uh, uh, yeah exactly or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah i mean that's that would be but that's an interesting fun. little thing as well because a vacation home versus a um home that totally you, different a family home that you live in they it's got to deliver a whole lot of different stuff whilst delivering the same stuff you know but it's right. um it's a whole transition it's moving from this to this you know so i think I, that's a fascinating to... journey it is super fascinating. And it's actually it, the thing that I find really interesting about it. When I work with all my clients, I talk about the 90, 10 rule, and this is just something that I came up with. Um, yeah. So this 90, 10 rule is I used to get all these clients and they'd say, Oh, well, we have this many kids. And so they're looking down the road and they'd say, okay, we've got five kids and we want them all to be able to have their own suite when they come back to visit us, mm -hmm. they're all going to come back at the same time mm -hmm. for Christmas. And it needs to be big enough to accommodate a queen size bed and a little bassinet for the mm -hmm. baby that's going to be coming with them <laughs> and all this stuff, whatever it might be. And I just talked to them about like, well, that's the 10% usage. We're not going to design to that because yeah. nobody wants to pay for the thing that they're only going to need 10% of the time. And like but then when that. we talk about a vacation home, things kind of switch up just a little bit because now we can design kind of to the 10% because that's all that they are there for. So, it, yeah, I mean, and that this just all kind of circles back to like, what's the story? What's the intention yeah, behind the, the design? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The intention so, of the design. And that, that 90, 10 thing helps so many people just like kind of come like back that. to reality. 
instead of living in this dream la la land (laughs) yeah we've got to make sure everything happens and also you can't design to the what ifs you know no we don't know what if yeah yeah so and you can be mindful of things you know like that can um an example of it would be if you can keep it on a flat floor plane rather than having stairs or or something in it, you know, so that if anybody did end up in disabled or ended up with disabled relatives or anything like that, so that the ease of the place can be, you know, well, well discovered and well thought out. I I had a client a little while back and designing a new home for a long, long, this home is what we call a legacy home. So it's tied up so it can't even be sold out of the family. Um, it's a a farm and it's you know it will last generationally um so very deliberate and uh anyway at one point there we had um a a split level in this house and uh it was an early design phase and it was something that they had asked for and I was like I'm like, we could do it, yes, and we're, yes, we're, I don't know, yeah. And I came up with a design plan around it. And then I had this little thing where I went, this guy, this guy goes hard at life. Like he's an adventurer as well um, as he is, you know, a great businessman and all these things. But he, he plays hard, you know, he breaks himself every now and then. Oh, and so shoot. I said to him, I said, um, so I'm, I, I'm all good with this, but what I'm going to do is this guest room is going to be, um, you know, wheelchair accessible or crutches accessible. And he's like, why? And I said, oh, well, you'll break yourself at some point, <laughs> not permanently, but it just means you don't have to navigate those stairs. <laughs> was he appreciative? He thought I was an absolute ass, I think, at the time. But, yes, he, <laughs> it actually meant that what we did is we took those stairs out of the house ultimately. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You made him aware of uh, yeah. like a reality. This yeah. is something that has happened historically, it sounds like. Do you know, do you know what so... happened more than that even? He suddenly became very aware of the fact that his parents might be in the house uh-huh. and that would mean that these other parts of the house wouldn't be available to them as easily because of these stairs and Mm. then they would feel like um they were imposing because they'd have to ask Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. they would come for extended periods and that was the key thing he still didn't think he'd break himself but that was the key point you know it was that thing of oh yeah, that would mean that this laundry would be down those stairs as well, This these other things. And it was only three stairs or four stairs or something. But just it made him just very aware of um, his his greater circle of people. Yeah. That's, that's cool because then he got out of himself a little bit, Yeah, you know, and started to maybe see the bigger picture. So I do stuff like that. So, you know, even though I'm telling my clients not to design to the 90-10, it sounds almost contradictory when I when I mm. then introduce the idea of repurposing or multi-purposing a space, you know. So we're not going to design to the ten percent usage, but let's think about you know. Even though I said we're not going to design to every what if, but let's think about you know, like you're talking about wanting to have a nursery and an office and a library and a guest room and you know the primary suite and an yep. exercise room, like all these things on one level. 
and, but you don't want your, you know, the area of your home to be over this certain size. Amount. Yeah. But when we start adding up all those pieces, it does come out bigger. Mm -hmm. So how can we multi-purpose a space? Can the office be used as the guest room or can mm -hmm. the nursery become the library mm -hmm. in the future when there aren't any more babies, mm -hmm. you know? And so we, we talk about like how to look at things and think at, think about things in a different way, like, you know, come like at it from different angles. So, I like that. Yeah. That's uh, that's <laughs> really nice. But... No, I get it. I totally get it. It 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 makes beautiful sense. Um, you know, like the house has a a journey in it as well. Um, oh yeah. And it it will, you know, give it twenty years. It's going to have slightly different needs, even if it's the same fat. Well, definitely, if it's the same family, it's going to have different needs and different totally pushes on it. And that 20 year period and in 25 years, it's probably like, well, what else do we need to do to this home? How do we need to renovate this home or what, how's, how does it need to, I don't know, be reconfigured, not necessarily even by moving things, but sometimes by moving things to make it more livable mm -hmm. for how we're living now. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's a really, you know, really, really, really interesting point to go. So if we did put this here and then, like you said, when, you know, the kids are older, then this this will become the library. Um, but that will be because this baby's moved out of here and moved to here. Now, mm -hmm. and, and like you say, like I've done houses where every bedroom has an ensuite and a big walk-in robe. And um, i give you the example that one of those houses, there's um, five children and three of them have now left home. Um, right. And that house is great, beautiful home. And yes, they do come back and, and they've got their own rooms and stuff. Um, and the, it wasn't a question of affordability. There was plenty of money to build what was needed. Um, it is one of those things where you go, okay. And they, they are looking at living out that dream location as the parents saw it. That was their movie that they saw. Now, uh -huh. whether that lasts will determine those all those relationships that come from, you know, partners being in there, children being in there, and as that right. dynamic gets more complicated. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I look at I it actually, and go, hmm. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, and it, it brings up this, like, there's both sides of the coin kind of conversation that you can have because we can talk about multi-purposing and not designing for the 10% usage and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Well, I had another client who said, but if I don't have those spaces for my kids, then they won't feel as comfortable coming home. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. You know, if they do have to, you know, like make do in the office space, then I don't want going to, be to come home less. They feel yeah. Yeah, they're going to feel like they're intruding, like you mm -hmm. said, or whatever, mm -hmm. just like you, you know, the example that you gave with the parents and stuff. And so, so I can see both sides. And, but to have that conversation with the clients, and to be able to, you know, kind of extract out of the whole, you know, programming phase, yeah, what it is their goals and priorities are. So we start going back to mm -hmm. those goals and priorities. Mm -hmm. What kind of sensibilities do they have? What kind of goals do they want out of this? You know, out of this, at, at this chapter, you know, this chapter or yes. this, the multiples of chapters, this, this piece of the story. I love that. Yes, 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 yes. Definitely. I've got some, I've got some questions on um, feelings for you. Okay. You, you might want to lie back on the couch. 
I go sit back there on the yeah. key. So my first one is in your own home. Did you well, first of all, did you design your own home? Yes, we designed our own home, but again, it depends on what phase of life you're in. We designed our own home when we were, you know, young in our marriage. We didn't have any children yet. We were broke. So mm -hmm. all those things factored into it. So beautiful. Yes, Lo lovely, lovely <laughs> disclaimer. So um, it's interesting because you did design your own home and not be surprised at how many um you know architects and building designers and stuff don't design their own home they live in a home that they've renovated or whatever right so my question is is in your own home where is your favorite space mm, that is a great question that's that and that's why i probably say yes but because I love my home, but I don't have a favorite space. Inside your, inside your home? No. Yeah. Do you have one but in, there, I mean, in like your yard? Yes. Yeah. Outside backyard. And, and, and that's the thing. I think probably because I, I live in a dream world, <laughs> so, you know, and I need to probably get back to being, you know, truly grateful for what I have. But I'm always thinking of how something could be better. Maybe that's mm. what makes me a good designer, but makes me not be so great of an mm. occupant. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. So another question. When you need to escape and recharge, where do you go in your own home? In my own home. Mm -hmm. probably just do uh the master bathroom the ensuite yeah the yeah, ensuite take, yeah take a bath like that escape that you were talking about you know shut out the world a little bit shut out the noise you know do some meditation relaxation quiet low light sort of thing okay What's, These are good questions. What, sp <laughs> what space in your home is the most energetic space? When I say that, the, the, the noisiest, the um, craziest kind of space Easy. in your home. Easy. Kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now we're going to talk about some feelings. <laughs> okay. So. If there's any other spaces you want to define, tell me as as well, like as we go. But when you're in the kitchen, and because it is that space, I, I think the kitchen's a really interesting space as well because it's a workspace as well as it's a nurturing space as well as it's an entertaining mm -hmm. space. It's um, it it's got such a a, a split personality <laughs> as a, as a, as <laughs> a, you know, it's cra it's the crazy one. You know, it, it, it has to deliver on so many levels. Um, with that, when you're in your kitchen, how do you feel? I actually feel probably, I mean, going back to the favorite space question, mm -hmm. if I chose any space, it would be that because I feel the most connected 
interestingly mm -hmm. enough, with my family there, even if there's nobody else in the kitchen with me. And I think it's because when I'm in the kitchen, I'm doing things that are going, that are connecting me to my family. And since my family is so important in my life that uh, even if it's me making dinner for them, which sounds like just another task, you know, <laughs> but, but it's, you know, I think that we all feel good at the end of the day when we've given of ourselves to the people that we love in some way, in some, you know, sort of sacrifice way. And so sacrificing of time or talents or energy or whatever. And so I think that's why the kitchen can be so, so energizing even for me, even at the same time I'm expending energy. I could get really philosophical. Yeah, you could. It's good. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, so the kitchen, and I'm just going to sum this up so a little bit. The kitchen makes you feel connected and it gives you a sense of something because you give. It's a space where you give. And um, I don't know what that feeling is, but it nurtures you in some way to be the giver, totally. to be that person mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and it ultimately leaves you feeling energized as opposed to imagine it does make you feel drained as well yeah i was going to say 90 percent of the time it's it's empower like not empowering but it's energizing and yeah. it's rejuvenating that's yeah. what i'm looking for uh, and I then like there that. are 10 percent of 10 percent of the time where it is a little so, bit drained but that's you know like I've had a long day or a hard day mm -hmm. a lot hard work mm -hmm. week or something or too many things going on too many things pulling at my time or attention so those are rare and i'm fortunate because i don't get drained very easily yeah you've got a high so, energy yeah i do have high energy so then let's go to that ensuite bath and what does that make you what's the feeling it gives you um it's that it's just that calm like all the noise of the world gets really shut out i know i'm not usually you know involved with anything in the world i'm not involved with my work i'm not involved with you know the daily happenings or political events or current events or you know external family things neighbors friends family like all the things um so it's just kind of quiet and a place where you can be introspective and i love introspection <laughs> bit of a junkie i think uh, uh, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you pegged me yeah so it's calm and it's quiet and it is it, it, it's a shut down a shut i'm gonna say shut down shut out um uh -huh. um Mm. And then I'm going to go to um, the backyard. And, and the elements that are in there and what they make you feel 
I mean, like I could walk into my backyard now and I go, oh, the lawns need mowing. <laughs> you know, like, right, 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 so right. it could no. make me feel tense about it as much as it could yeah. make me feel like, you know, like calmed or whatever. But Leah, yeah, what is it that you get from your backyard? Um, it's that connection to nature. Mm. I mean, and so I guess my backyard, even though it's not my property, I would extend that to just geographically where I live. Utah right. is amazing mm -hmm. with, you know, the landscape and the things that we have going on here. So if I do need that extra jolt of energy and rejuvenation and connection, then go for a hike, go skiing, do those kinds of things. So that's like my extended backyard. But I mean, I just like keeping it. it close to home, I just being even just sitting out and feeling the sun on my face, mm -hmm. you know, watching the the sunshine filtering through the trees, seeing the sunset, sunrise, that sort of thing, hearing the neighbor's dogs barking, sounds outside, even if it's a car driving by, I just love hearing life. Oh, so what does it make you feel? Oh, I just feel like, I don't know, just connected, I guess, to the bigger picture, to the bigger world without necessarily having to, you know, be center stage or in the spotlight. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Like participate. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, you don't even have to be a participant. You can just yeah. be an observer yeah. at that point and just to kind of like take it all in. I love that. That's what you described was this observer, the sounds of life. Um I like that. So then with that, um, 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 you know, the emotions that run with these pieces of life is what I'm looking at, you know, and I'm going, okay, so those Im important chunks. So if you were to start designing your home tomorrow, a new home tomorrow, how would you use these important chunks that you've got to Good. draw your home? Okay, this is good. You you've nailed it. I mean, I guess it it it's perfect and it's true because when I dream of that next home or the perfect home, there is a little bit of I've got a little bit of space around me. I don't have neighbors right next to me mm -hmm. so i can have that extended connection with nature but you um, can still maybe hear their dog bark or a car maybe. might go past yeah yeah but not isolated now the, the sounds of life are the crickets and the birds and mm. the you know frogs outside or whatever like you know i noticed your birds outside your mm -hmm. your space there i love those sounds of life um and then just that that energizing and reconnection, I would have bigger windows so that I can bring that outside rejuvenation into my space. Because like I said, cold climate, yeah. you can't always, you know, enjoy the outside that mm -hmm. way and actually being present in it. So how can I drink it in mm -hmm. from the inside? So bigger windows than I currently have right now would be something that I would do. I love this. I love this.
when I was and I would have a serene, sorry, a serene spa-like ensuite. So there you go. Ooh. And how connected to nature would it be? Oh yeah, it would have a big window. <laughs> okay. Maybe a maybe a door to go out to a hot tub or something. Mm. But you were gonna say something. So oh, curious. I was gonna say I was in a, a home in um in Wyoming in Jackson Hole recently that belonged to an architect. And in he'd designed this home. And uh, off the side of the kitchen, he had a screened porch because it's pretty buggy up there, you know, like mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. summer. And um, he also had this in the screened porch, he had some sort of like uh, perspex over the screening for the winter because it was deep snow when we were there. And it's got, you know, so lousy, lousy, um, you know, insulation, a piece of perspex. <laughs> uh, but it was it was a modern home, like really modern home. But the walls out there were shingled, and um, it was very connected into nature. And even when I was there, there were snow banks all around it. And anyway, with that, it um, had this very comfortable feel. And not that the house didn't; the house had it as well. But this was like almost going to the cabin but it was just uh -huh. out the back door. It wasn't even out the back door. It was just mm. off from the kitchen. And it played into this, um, this thing that I call the emotional floor plan, which Ooh. was, <laughs> which was this, you, you, he, to, to use that space, him and his wife, they use it a lot, like a lot in the winter. Um, Interesting. And even though it's kind of chilly. Even though it's kind of chilly, they put on sweaters to go out there. They have rugs sitting on the chairs. Like yeah. Okay. And it's a departure from the main part of their house. In the summer, they, you know, unwinterize it a bit and it's still beautiful, but it's like going away to the woods, even though right. they live in the woods in their main house. It, right. But it you a, start to get that, that a, like a big emotional trend. Value. A big emotional transition. Uh huh. Uh huh. You go yeah, there. You go there to relax, and you go there to hang out and read, and you go there to snuggle on the couch. You go there. Is there a to fireplace drink wine. out there? I think there was a gas heater, but maybe not a fireplace. Um, uh, it and it like wasn't it big. One. It wasn't big. It okay. would have been um, maybe 10 feet by 10 feet maybe something oh, like yeah, that so uh, maybe maybe yeah, a little bit bigger maybe 12 by 10 or something um it wasn't like massive it was like a it could have been a little bigger than that but not it wasn't like we were building an outdoor you know entertainment area this is like an outdoor right little space where they would go and hang out or they might take you know one of their kids if they were up visiting one of them might sit out there and it's an intimate space uh-huh and it's a transition yeah suddenly you walked out into yeah. shingles suddenly you did all this and when I was talking to his wife um I said how do you use this space you know and she goes well we sometimes barbecue here we um we we she said this is our little 
escape from the house <laughs> and oh, I'm like funny. I'm like that's so funny because the kitchen and there's a door and then you've escaped from the house like, yeah yeah and I'm sure the house is very nice the right? house and is comfortable beautiful and all the things it's Absolutely probably more beautiful. comfortable than out there in the yep. cold and the yep. bugs and the whatever but she considered that the escape mm-hmm. isn't that fascinating isn't it because yeah. because she found us she found a way to yeah have that energy flow back into her mm-hmm. and yeah so I love all of that because you know like we talked about the energy and the relationship that the people have with their homes and stuff and I it's I do believe that if it's good design it's kind of a symbiotic relationship yeah. where the home is giving back it's not just um you know the home's nurturing the occupant it's nurturing the occupants it's supporting Mm. it's you know life giving basically um and the client and the homeowners can give to the home as well in a way Mm -hmm. and i know that sounds kind of Mm woo-woo and whatever i totally get it yeah you know you take care of it and you care about it and you well think of this i always think of this how quickly a house deteriorates if it's not lived in it deteriorates, at, it, yeah, it yes. deteriorates at a far more rapid rate than a house that's lived in. And that you go, how can that recently. be? Yeah, yeah, How can that be? Yeah. Well, it goes moldy or it goes damp or it goes whatever because it doesn't have airflow. It's not being opened and closed. It's not being used. That know? is so true. Okay, I haven't thought and about so that. And so we energetically fill a space with ourselves when we move through it, whether it's our house, somebody else's house or whatever, when we live in it, we we come closer to our true self. That's yes. probably our most honest self. We're not, yes. we're living in this space. And if the, mm-hmm. the more comfortable we are with us being ourselves, the more comfortable our space becomes. And totally, it's not about for somebody else, it's about for us. And, you know, like this beautiful home that we went to, um, the transition, or there was lots of us moments in that house for them. It was about them. Um, It still was a, you know, I wouldn't say a showy home. It was still a beautiful architecturally designed home. Uh, But it had their, their art, their like trinkets, their kind of pieces in it. It wasn't designed to be a gallery or a museum. It was designed to be a home. And then to have these, there was a couple of transition spaces like that particular one. And it really stuck in my mind. And again, as I said, the the emotional floor plan was like, so what shifts and changes emotionally as you transfer through these spaces? And like when I looked at the ones that I just took you through before, you know, that crazy funness of the kitchen um, and that fact that you actually get to give of yourself and you get to give your love with it and you get to nurture others with it but in return nurture mm-hmm. yourself, I go, wow, how beautiful is that? Like that's, that's the kitchen is the heart of the home. Yeah, it's super interesting when you described all that back to me. And I realized that every time I um, have a moment of, you know, indulgence where I envision this future perfect home for myself, the, the space I imagine the most is my kitchen. Mm-hmm. 
Isn't that like interesting? Everything, everything else is peripheral. It, you know, secondary, it doesn't really matter that much. It's probably kitchen and then my office and um, not even, not even the primary suite, but yeah. outdoor space probably comes next. And so everything else can be secondary. And so it's not just that exercise that you just took me through is, I think, a really beautiful exercise to be able to, and a journey to take your clients on so that yeah. they, you know, feel that space and feel the energy before it's even built. And so, like you said, they can come kind of back to this settled where they, they know the program, they know the parameters, they know the analytics. Of what needs to go into the house now they know the emotion that needs to go into it and the energy that needs to go into it and then it becomes this whole piece and whole a, element and as the designer yeah as the designer of it you get your hierarchy of um needs that true needs not i need a kitchen it is yes you do need a kitchen but what you're really looking for is not a kitchen you're looking for a place that you can give from that you can nurture from that can be a little crazy and chaotic it can be a place where everybody bumps into everybody and comes to you're looking for that connection that it gives you yeah, and yeah. the fact that you yeah. can give now we know that we're going to do it with the kitchen because that's your modality of giving that but if we were to tuck the kitchen in the wrong spot then we could ruin that journey of how it interacts. It needs enough totally. space. It needs enough, you know, yeah. whatever. If the to kitchen make this. was off in some far corner, mm -hmm. yeah, it wouldn't have that same giving capability. Yeah. And and your you know, and your it, emotional floor plan, the kitchen, is actually central to being you. Totally is. <laughs> that is so fascinating okay so the thing i love about all of this is just that this is design yeah right this isn't just this is trying drafting. to just build square boxes that we put light and air in <laughs> right this is not just lumber and concrete and whatever because anybody can do that yeah. quite frankly yeah almost without fail you know mm -hmm. and, and so this becomes more than just an exercise in what's even aesthetically pleasing or what, you know, is formed to the land the best. This becomes, you know, a living, breathing organism yeah. that, that really has its own identity, its own kind of lifeblood almost. It, it's so where it goes to be. I love it. Beautiful. Yeah. There's uh -huh. a, I used to train people in innovation and in, um, companies and stuff and, uh, one of them was um, a company that I worked a lot with was Airbus, the aeroplane manufacturer. And anyway, in the in their way of training them to solve what is deemed as unsolvable problems is a, a system of systematic innovation. And with that, we used to have three prototypes that would always come out of this, whatever we did. There'd be three prototypes that had to be described. But there was a hierarchy in those three prototypes. The first one was called Cheap. So it meant that it took no resources. Mm. It just took um, changing something and it, cheap, quick, dirty, whatever, not elegant, not beautiful, none of that. It's just smash it out. That is That gets the job done. And the next one was simple. And simple means that it's simple for the end mm. user because cheap isn't necessarily simple for the end user. 
but it's simple. It's something that's simple right, to use. Right. It's not overly complex. It's not going to take forever. It will apply, have some cost applied to it, but it will engage people. So cheap doesn't necessarily have to engage people. All it is is about the most financial, fastest, smash it out decision. And then you have beautiful. And when you have beautiful, yeah. then you move into the realm of people and their environment and people, how they'll be nurtured. It, it beautiful is the long sustaining outcome of something. And I think of it in architecture. Okay. Yeah, I know you're going to hierarchy these needs. Um, <laughs> if think of it in architecture and think of a um, an amazing architectural place. So, you know, something like, say, for instance, um, the Gaudi's Cathedral in Barcelona, um, the La Familia Sagrada. This is beyond beautiful. It's Gaudi crazy as well, but it's Gaudi form, function, forcing things to, not forcing, but having, giving the power for things to be as opposed to forcing them to be. Uh, you know, there's power versus force. So force is as I, you know, tell you how it'll be and I make you do something. Like I might uh -huh. make you walk up the path. Yeah? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Power is, is I guide your journey by making it simpler or easier um, or allowing you, you could go any way up, but this feels the most natural way. This feels I the most comfortable. That. That's power versus force. And in his in, in his cathedral, in the cathedral, um, it's amazing. It's like mind-blowing. It's all those things. Never once does he use force. He only uses power. Force would be the doors, I suppose, but there's four entrances, so you can choose. Um, yeah, yeah. And each one of them brings you to the same sort of crescendo or same sort of spot but along on the journey you'll find your own journey through it um so yeah i look at that and i go how how do we influence these spaces knowing where we're trying to get to i love that i call and I, you say it so beautifully i love that because the way that i describe it probably that gets slightly close to what you're trying to describe, but um, doesn't quite hit the mark is I just tell people that I'm designing with the end in mind. And, um, and I probably haven't embraced that whole journey too of this, this experience and this self-discovery almost, so to speak, um, in the process of it all, because there's also just that that end goal of, you know, longevity or, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know, less problematic mm -hmm. going into the future and different things like that. So there's those practical things, but then there's this um, emotional connection. You can only you. take people and where they're at as well. All of that. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. I love it. I, I, but sure. you, you can only take people where they're at. And 
just because we have the experience of designing lots of things and, um, you know, looking for these emotional connections and stuff, we can't expect them to be running it. You know, if, if we're running at 50 miles an hour, hoping to get to 100, yeah. um, we can't expect them to be running at 50 miles an hour. You know, they might be at five miles an hour. And right, yeah. supporting them where they're at in that journey and then giving them the opportunity to expand that if they want it. If. Yeah. Only yep. if they want it, you know. You and, open it up to them and they can take mm. what they will. Yeah. Mm. So one last question. You've got okay. one last place to design. You've got to hang your hat up. You can't design another thing ever, 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 ever again. What do you choose? Oh, gosh. Oh, wow. I have to think about that. I mean, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, is it going to be a church? <laughs> mm -hmm. Is it going to be a school? Is it going to be a space where people come together? And I think of all these things, and to me, all of those spaces are found in home. So I come back to a home wow. again. And, uh, you know, like whether it's my home or somebody else's, obviously, if I were could only design one more, then I probably would be a little selfish and say it would be mine. <laughs> I don't know that that's selfish. The legacy of it's not selfish. Mm. Well, that's true. I do like that. Yeah. You know, like that's putting the oxygen mask on yourself um, as well. So I don't see it as selfish in any way I go. I, I remember having a conversation many years ago with a, a client. Um, well, I was actually their client and then they became my client. And um, we were talking nice. about houses and I sort of said, oh, well, you know, like, yeah, we design these sort of, you know, houses for people who want more than they probably need. And, you know, I was being a bit of cynical about you know just this whole more and more and more and more and he said oh it's an interesting right. way you view it and I said well you know it is that if you if you look at it that way and he said true it is if you look at it if that you way look at it that way and he was the first one who said to me so imagine this though if you designed a house that made their life easier better connected them better with their family, connected them better with their environment, connected them more um, emotionally. What if you designed a house or a better part of their life? Mm -hmm, and I went, mm -hmm. oh, you know, I hate it when somebody's so right. <laughs> <laughs> when they say it that way. When you say it that way, you're right. It's, it's like, <laughs> yeah, right. exactly, isn't it? Uh, so yeah fascinating but you know the interesting thing yeah the interesting thing about that comment too though is just that like we we as the design professional have to be able to remove our own biases and prejudices and our own goals and dreams and likes and dislikes and whatever we have to we have to strip ourselves of those when we're working for other people because you know I had a coworker once who was always annoyed with the more and the bigger and the better yeah. and the, you know, yeah. grandiose and all that kind of stuff. And I said, but 
for that person that you're designing it for, that is their world. And they come with their own prescribed, you know, like quote unquote needs yeah. or whatever it might yeah. be. And so who are we to say that that, that is better or worse than somebody else's? Like, great. Exactly. Yeah. That'd be like trying to give somebody Xanax when they really need, you know, a ibuprofen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and what you said it before, don't let what I want inform your, your design or de yeah. your decision. Yeah. You know, like that's. And that's right. it. Remove yourself yeah. and your ego from the journey to be the sort of conduit for them. And that's why when you design your own house, mm. it's so, so damn difficult um, because you suddenly go into deep <laughs> oh, consideration my. of everybody else as well. <laughs> yes. Yes. I might have to hire you to design my next house. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just have a chat with you. <laughs> Uh, oh, that's funny totally true definitely that has been the most fabulous chat i've really really enjoyed it we went to some cool places there some really cool places. we did yeah yeah and you i experienced things i i haven't experienced before that was great really, and that was really fun I'm so glad and i had such a ball as well i've got a big page of notes and yeah uh, it was so much fun um thank you thank you thank you for joining me uh thank and we'll you. post all your socials and how people can get in touch with you and go awesome. and have a beautiful afternoon yes and you likewise it has been such a delight i'm so grateful for this time with you you're welcome richard's magic arrows is brought to you by the architect marketing institute Clean, simple, sugar-free magic arrows that hit the mark for fast results. Let's fire a magic arrow into this week's problem. Now, I know feed pressure is one of the biggest things facing designers. It doesn't matter what level you're at. There is no one golden bullet for it. Uh, if it was, it was probably select the right type of clients. But if you're in a situation where you're being pressured on fees, I'm going to give you a way of dealing with it. And it's by asking say three questions and this is called takeaway selling so this is where you kind of offer something up and then you take it away and see if they follow you it's almost like imagine if you had some hot ch chocolate cookies and you had a plate full of them you put them in front of them, someone and then they went to reach out and then you you pulled it away and you see if they get up and follow you it's that type of thing so this is called takeaway selling so the first question you ask you say well why don't you just leave the situation as it is why why make the change that's an unusual thing for a designer to say. Well, why not just leave it as it is? And see how they answer. And then you might say, why did you want to speak to me? Why did you not get someone else? And see if they follow you. See if they answer properly. And the third question would be, well, why not do it later? Now, by asking these negative questions, you're going to get a lot more information out of someone than by trying to convince them to do it. Because by pulling the plate of hot cookies away, they're either going to react or they're not. And if they do react and give you answers and explain why it's important, then what they're doing is telling you how important something is. Now, while these magic arrows are great for fast results, when you're ready to run better quality projects from clients who value great design and are prepared to pay great fees, I've got a special training just for you. Go to archmarketing.org forward slash talk design. Take your magic arrow and fire at will.